ओम ज्ञान ज्ञानंजन
devote yourself. In this kind of situation, yeah. people often, yeah, yeah. They'll often say, well, you shouldn't argue with me when I'm, when I'm senior. But uh, that is not a bona fide reply. However senior one may be, one has the right to ask for further clarification. Even Guru, if you don't understand, you have the right to ask. To ask a Guru. Yeah, even if you don't understand something from Guru or you have a doubt, you can express that. When uh, Krishna said to Arjuna, I explained the knowledge of Bhagavad Gita to the sun god, Arjuna interrupted and said, how is that possible? Because you're just my contemporary, how could you have spoken to the sun god such a long time ago? Anyone who says anything, they should be able to back that up with some, uh, what's called pramana or evidence. I myself have been in, I'm involved in some controversy at the present time. Because one of my godbrothers has published a book in which it is stated that UFOs are motherships which come from the center of the earth, from the fallen continents of Atlantis and Mu. Motherships? I don't know, it's some phrase made up by New Agers or ufologists. And in that book he states that this knowledge is available from uh, a level of cosmic attunement and from a previous life. So I'm challenging this, that this is not according to our Vaishnav system. You have to give knowledge according to Guru, Sadhu and Shastra. Of course, there are some kinds of knowledge, relative knowledge, which a Vaishnava may state, which is not from Guru, Sadhu and Shastra. For instance, uh, I could say Kazan is the capital of Tatarstan. So this knowledge is not from Guru, Sadhu or Shastra. But it is uh, verifiable by standard means. Whereas the statement that UFOs are actually, by motherships he says they're, they're like big spaceships the size of large cities and they come from the center of the earth, from the fallen continents of Atlantis and Mu. This is not verifiable by any means. And he's, so he says, I, I have this knowledge by uh, attunement to a, a what is it, a, a, due to attunement with the level of cosmic consciousness and from a previous life. Then anyone can say anything. I am an incarnation of Marco Polo. Right? <laughs> and previous to that I was uh, Genghis Khan. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm not very good at cheating people. I, I, if I just say that you, you should believe me because I have some knowledge which is not available to anyone else, then anyone can say anything. So, to be quite frank, I'm quite upset with this because this a Vaishnava Acharya, he should be, he should present exactly according to Parampara in a very grave manner and not present speculations. The Parampara from Krishna, Brahma. Narad, Vyas, Madhva, Chaitanya Mahabharu, Six Goswamis, Bhaktisiddhanta, Sarasar Thakur, and Srila Prabhupada. This, this should main, be maintained with great dignity. So, whoever it is, you know, even if they're a guru in Iskon, which is a guru in Iskon who has published this book, uh, they have to. The very qualification of a guru is that they present according to Guru Sadhu and Shastra. That is the qualification. We shouldn't think that. Someone is called a guru, therefore everything, what, what he says is correct. But rather, be, 
because he speaks what is correct according to Guru Sadhu and Shastra. Therefore, he is a guru. It's not round the other way. So you should understand this principle very, very carefully. Uh, I've been accused of making offences to Vaishnavas by saying these things. But uh, I feel that it's my duty to speak according to Guru Sadhu and Shastra and to point out if someone's not doing however, uh, however highly they are regarded, that uh, this is wrong, this is not correct. Otherwise, uh, Iskon just becomes filled up with blind followers and sentimentalists. And it becomes like a Sai Baba cult. If anyone can say anything and it should be just accepted, then, that, uh, then Shastra has no value. So this is why I'm emphasizing again and again, we should understand what are the principles of spiritual knowledge and adhere to them. Because I'm hearing in these questions, this senior devotee said this, that senior devotee said that, there are so many speculations. Just because they've been initiated for ten years, it's not that, oh, now I've been initiated for ten years, therefore now I can have some cosmic speculation, now I'm entitled to say some cosmic speculations. Metaphysical speculation. These are serious matters. Our spiritual life depends upon it. In the history of ISKCON, already since Prabhupada left, several devotees who are acting as gurus became uh, intoxicated by the position of guru and started to speak contrary to Guru Sadhu and Shastra. And uh, in this way, so many people followed them and became deviated. So, uh, please don't accept me or anyone else as a guru just out of some sentimentality. You should, you should examine. You should have, you should read Prabhupada's books and understand, is what I am speaking, is that in line with that or not? If it's not, you should question me. If, if it appears, if I say something that appears to be contrary to Guru Sadhu and Shastra, you should question that. If it is a minor point, you may not question, but you may know also. Uh, to give an example, once uh, Prabhupada was at uh, Chaitanya Mat, the place of his guru in Mayapur, when a snake came out, Sri Chaitanya Mat, and, uh, and a snake came crawling out, and uh, the devotees, they weren't sure what to do. Generally in Bengal and probably most other places too, when a, when a poisonous snake comes out, they uh, catch it and kill it. But they weren't sure, you know, that we're devotees, we're not supposed to kill. So Bhaktisiddhan Saraswati, he heard there was some kind of commotion and he came out to see what was going on. And he saw the snake and he immediately ordered, kill it. So Prabhupada said that, well, I had a doubt in my mind, why should Guru Maharaj say that? Why should a sadhu order any creature to be killed? So Prabhupada said, there was a doubt in my mind. But later on, uh, when he was reading Srimad Bhagavatam, he came across a statement by Pallad Maharaj uh, in connection with the killing of Hiranyakashipu by Sri Nrsimha Deva. Modeta sadhurapi vrikshika sarapahatya that even a sadhu, a saintly person, is pleased if a snake or a scorpion is killed. So Prabhupada, upon reading that, he thought, oh, I see, okay. That uh, although sadhus, they generally don't like killing of creatures, but uh, envious creatures like snakes and scorpions, they also become 
pleased when they are killed? Or are they, you know? So Prabhupada had some doubt. He didn't ask his Guru Maharaj or anyone else. Probably he might... You see, if you have a doubt, the uh, we should... Our general attitude should be that uh, I don't understand, which probably means that I'm wrong. And that maybe I'll understand in future. And in the case of Bhakti Stansarasaritako, he was so clearly an empowered devotee of Krishna that uh, you, know, you, you wouldn't reject him on, on one technical point like that. Nevertheless, Prabhupada expressed a doubt. He didn't disturb his overall faith in his Guru Maharaj, but uh, at, the, at the same time, you know, he, it was his doubt was not so much that, well, my Guru Maharaj is wrong, but he his, his doubt was feeling that I don't understand why it is so. So actually, after the... While Prabhupada was personally present here, he was protecting us very strongly. There were several deviations, even in Prabhupada's presence among his disciples. There, in one case, the, the wife of a GBC member was cooking meat in the deity kitchen and having it offered to the deities. And the devotees were saying, it's GBC, so we have to accept. So Prabhupada, when he found out, of course he stopped it. And he said that the junior devotees, they were not at fault because, you know, they should have just followed. But the senior devotees, they should have pointed it out and stopped it. There was another case where some sannyasis were preaching that actually Prabhupada is directly Krishna. He's Vishnu Tattva Bhagavan. Prabhupada stopped this. He said, this is Mayava, this is rascal. In another case, uh, some Prabhupada's disciples, they were uh, only concentrating on sections of scripture which describe the intimate pastimes of Krishna with the gopis. And they thought that Bhagavad Gita is just, you know, we don't want to read that, that's very low class. In all these cases, Srila Prabhupada acted immediately like a lion, like fire, to stop these dangerous deviations. But uh, it's more difficult after Prabhupada has passed away because no one commands the same authority over everyone that Prabhupada did. But even in all these cases, Prabhupada didn't just say, well, it's my, on my authority I'm saying, but he would explain what is wrong on the basis of Shastra. He would explain what is wrong. Not just I say it's wrong, but he would explain why it is wrong. So, uh, I am recommending that you uh, be protected by taking shelter of Prabhupada, by studying his books very deeply and understanding what is Krishna consciousness and what isn't. In the Nectar of Devotion, Prabhupada quotes Rupa Goswami as stating that one should protect one's devotional service from thieves and burglars. Yeah, then, what other questions? So, uh, yeah, so there are many questions coming regarding this senior devotee said this, some devotees say that. So you can ask them, you know, what is the Shastric basis of this statement? What did Prabhupada say about this? Has any Acharya ever said this? We can break Janmashtami fast at the time in India. Did, did Prabhupada ever say so? Prabhupada was celebrating Janmashtami in America. Did he ever do such a thing or say such a thing? And then sometimes they'll quote Shastra out of context or only quote one side or one part. So we really have to be quite expert. Or otherwise, uh, I guess you can ask me and I'll 
try to satisfy you as best I can. It's, it's easy to misunderstand or quote out of context. Uh, I'll, give an exa- I'll give an example. Here's some story. Those of you living in Tatarstan probably know that Muslims, before they enter the masjid, they're supposed to wash their arms and lower, lower legs. Do they do that here? I hope they do. They're Muslims. They should do. They should do. It's an important part of Islam. So there was one Muslim who used to regularly attend the mosque. And then all of a sudden he stopped going. And then uh, some of his other staunch Muslim friends asked him, why did you stop going to the mosque? He said, because I read it in a book by a very authorized teacher of Islam. He said, where is that book? Show us. So he showed the book on one page. There was so many rules and regulations given. And at the bottom of the page it was written, one should not go to the mosque. And they turned over the page. And it says, without first washing one's hands and legs. (laughs) Oh, 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 okay, all right. So it's easy to misunderstand. If we don't see the whole picture. If the spoon... spoon uh, touches the plate, the word is taking prasad from. What about if we, if the pot from which we distribute prasad touches the plate, what should we do? The spoon is, should be washed, uh, washed, but what about pot? Don't touch the pot to the plate. Keep it far enough away that there's no question of it touching the plate. The plate should stay on the ground. It's not that devotees lift up their plate like this. There's another post. There should be no question of it coming anywhere near the plate. Even near the pot? Yeah, the pot, there should be no question of the pot coming anywhere near the plate. It's just like when you're eating, your left hand shouldn't come anywhere near your mouth. If we feel that we lose our taste for studying of Shula, from studying of Shula Prabhupada's books, uh, should we pray to them, to the books? Should we offer their incense, flowers, to restore relationships with them? Or we should... Uh, follow some other method. It's better just to read them anyway. Just like uh, sometimes you may not feel taste for the names, so we should force ourselves to to uh, chant anyway. And by doing so, taste will come. We should not continue our practices of chanting, hearing and serving based upon whether or not we have taste for it. Today I feel like reading, so I shall read. The next day, I don't feel like reading, so I won't read. Then this is, this is just sense gratification. We should read as a matter of duty. If we're feeling some section we're going through is particularly difficult, we can change just like, uh, we can intersperse our reading. Maybe read Bhagavad Gita, and then we could try reading maybe Krishna book or Prabhupada Lilamrita, like this. We could try reading some other section. But don't stop reading. And this person is to interrupt for a time or just change to another book? Yeah, yeah. We could go to another book. Another thing oh. is, if we're explaining or attempting to explain what's in the books to others, then we'll always feel inspiration to study them. Without speaking the philosophy to others, without preaching, we, we won't get so much, we generally won't get so much inspiration to study um, how do you observe Ekadashi? 
How should we observe it? Generally, I observe it the way that Srila Prabhupada did, which is uh, by actually not doing anything much different to what else I do on other days, except I don't take grains or beans. And uh, I just remain fully engaged in activities of Krishna consciousness throughout the day. Sometimes I chant some extra rounds or read some more, but generally I have, you know, I have so much work on my books that I just go on with that. You may observe, uh, by if, if, if you feel so inclined, you may chant more, read more, fast more, sleep less, all these things. In your book, Glimpses of Traditional Indian Life, you describe, uh, it's described that uh, men in Bengal, actually southern Bengal, but in South India, as long as I remember, they are, they are not supposed to take uh, small kids uh, in their arms. One Mataji was very agitated. She said that, how is that? Is it just, is it, is it uh, why is it considered un- unworthy to take children in hands? So how can we explain, explain to, the, to such people that what is worthy and what is unworthy? How can you explain? You can't explain to such people. They're a long way from Vedic culture. It's not necessarily that men can't show affection to children, but generally they do so in a different way to, uh, to the way that women do. Even in the West, until recently, men's roles and women's roles were quite different and quite quite well-defined and quite different. Men would be strict with the children, that was his role to discipline them, and mothers would be uh, just very kind. So the the strictness of the father is not less, any less kindness, but it's just a different manifestation of it, that's all. It is necessary that children have some uh, strict discipline in their upbringing. Both things, strict discipline and lots of... Lots of openly manifested love also. But in modern society in the West, they have very strange ideas of love and family and affection. Very, very strange ideas. They're so, they're so messed up that they think it's quite acceptable for men to marry men. And even they're, they're now in Sweden, they're going to allow married homosexuals to adopt children and bring up children. Men marry men and women marry women. And women want to be paratroopers. What's that? Paratrooper is the kind of military they go they jump out with parachutes oh. and they, they land in the enemy enemy territory. It's you know it's a very dangerous job. Yeah. <laughs> and men want to be house husbands instead of instead of Yeah. Instead of a housewife it's house husband. The man is pushing the baby in the pram. <laughs> While the wife is out earning money. So you don't know what is human culture. You're, you're confused. Usually people, they, you know, they get very upset and then you say these things. Uh, I just consider it all insanity. Actually, I said women want to be paratroopers. I was, just, I was just giving this as an example because women, you know, they want equal rights to be equal in everything. But I'm not sure if they want to be paratroopers, actually. I mean, when America was attacking Afghanistan and Iraq, it was mostly men. They had some women in the army also. Mm. Because, because by law, women have to have equal rights to men. All the women are leaving now. <laughs> They're going to go and join the army. 
So uh, I didn't hear of that in America so many women were demonstrating we want our equal rights, we should be sent to join the paratroops in Afghanistan. I didn't hear anything at that time. Actually, most women, you know, they just want... They like to... If you see young girls, they like to have dolls, isn't it? Of, of little little dolls, baby, and they, they play like, a, like it's their baby. So, in, naturally, uh, young women, they want to have a husband who will look after them and have, they'll have children and all these things. Mm-hmm. These are natural desires that go with a woman's body. But due to a puffed up concept of womanly life, nowadays they think, no, no, we should be equal and we should have a career and we, so many things. These words, puffed up concept of womanly life, before you report me to the GBC for being uh, anti-women, uh, I would point you to Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita purport, where he uses these exact words. So, uh, what happens is that uh, naturally women want to be protected, but they say we've got equal rights, then the men, how can they protect them? So, uh, in this way, the, 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 the natural role of men to take responsibility and the women to, uh, to look after the home and the children, which is the, in the natural order which has been in there in human society all over the world for thousands of years. That is now broken by modern ideas. And modern society is a complete disaster. There's, uh, there's no family life practically. I mean, uh, most marriages end in divorce very soon. So, it may, this may sound like a very elaborate reply to the question that why men, you know, they should also be like women and they, they shouldn't be looking after the little babies. It may seem like an overly elaborate reply to a small question. But uh, this, the protest to this comes from a, from a modern concept of life, of gender roles. Which goes against uh, the nat- which goes against human nature and is, is creating total disaster in human society, which is why Srila Prabhupada wanted to introduce this Vedic culture. Mm. So that's uh, that's a major reason why I wrote that book, Glimpses of Traditional Indian Life, to give some idea of what that Indian culture is. It actually works very nicely if it's if it's followed properly. Of course, now in India there are so many social problems nowadays also, mostly because they're adopting Western ideas. We should understand clearly that all these ideas that we've been programmed in, we should get reprogrammed. The the modern Western education is how to go to hell. We all need to be re-educated according to Shastric standards. According to Shastric standards, the standards given in Shastra. Mm-hmm. Yes, that book, Glimpses of Traditional Indian Life. It seems like it's just a very nice book, but there's a very there's a very serious message underlying it all. It's it's not just a nice story book. The underlying message is kick out all the materialistic ideas that we've imbibed from our modern education and accept Vedic standards kick them out and we should adopt and adopt Vedic standards what's your attitude towards Kundalini Das's book The Act of Discrimination uh, uh, to which uh, categories of devotees you can re- recommend to read this book if it's possible 
Well, in that book, he basically made a point that I'm making quite a lot, is that we, sh- we shouldn't accept blindly, but we should discriminate on the basis of Shastra. I mean, he takes a whole book to say it, but the point is quite simple. He, el- he elaborates in some detail. Some of his later books I, did, I didn't like so much, because there's too much, for my taste, too much mundane psychology mixed up with it. And he also portrayed ISKCON leaders as if they're all corrupt, which I don't accept. I think he painted an overly bleak picture. But that point is that we should, uh, Krishna has given us intelligence, and uh, in Bhagavad Gita he doesn't just say some dogma to Arjuna, but he addresses Arjuna as an intelligent person. So we should understand the world around us through Bhagavad Gita, with our intelligence, as Arjuna was expected to do so. It's too long for me. Sorry. So the point uh, he made, yeah. So Krishna, the point he's making is that Krishna spoke Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna, and he expected Arjuna to understand it with his intelligence. He didn't just teach some dogma to Arjuna. He didn't just he didn't say just believe me because I'm God, but he he appealed to Arjuna's intelligence to understand. So. Uh, Bhagavad Gita gives us uh, a, mm, a template or a world view by which we can view the world. But we are expect, we're expected to take the knowledge from Gita and use our intelligence to discriminate between that which is in the mode of ignorance, in the mode of passion, in the mode of goodness and impure Shuddha Sattva. So we should use our intelligence and like that. Kundali points out that many people join religious organizations just to turn off their intelligence. I'll just accept whatever they say and then I don't have to think. But this is not how Krishna teaches Arjuna, nor how Prabhupada taught us. Prabhupada wanted us to be brahmanas, that means persons who use their sense of intelligence. They sure. use their intelligence and sense of discrimination. So... Using our intelligence doesn't mean to blindly speculate, but to apply our intelligence along the guidelines given in Bhagavad Gita. Spiritual realizations in dream, what is this? What does it, what do they mean? What does it Generally, we don't put too much emphasis on dreams. In fact, another, often the word or a synonym given for illusion is dream. It's only Okay. In Russian, it's not used as a synonym for illusion? Oh, no. It's not, huh? In, in, in Indian languages, it is in Sanskrit and Bengali and all that. Anyway. Um, Dream in Russian means uh, hope, wish. No, but that's another. That's another. Oh, that's in English, not in Russian. Sorry. Yeah, it's another meaning. So, mostly dreams are just nonsense. It may be that on some. It may be that there is some spiritual instruction in dreams also. That sometimes may happen. Prabhupada defined that if we get an, if we see a spiritual personality in a dream, and he says something to us, which uh, then that can be accepted as bona fide. Just like Prabhupada said himself that several times he saw in a dream his Guru Maharaj calling him, "Come with me, come with me, come with me," beckoning him to take sannyas. So that's an example of a what we could call a, a genuine spiritual dream. Um, 
Another example, there is one uh, disciplined descendant of Jagannath Das Babaji who made up, a, who had some, he was promoting some mantra. Yes, he was not a disciple, just a grand disciple Jagannath. of Jagannath Das Babaji. So he was in a bona fide parampara, but he had introduced something which was not given by the parampara. Namely, the so-called mantra, Nitai Gaurai, Bhaja Nitai Desham, Japa Hare Krishna Hare Ram. So, uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Sartako asked him, where did you get this mantra from? Just like I'm telling you, if someone says, I have some, I'm offering something, I'm saying something, if you haven't heard it before, you should say, where is it from? What is the evidence that is bona fide? So, he said, I got it in a dream. So Bhaktisthan Sasri Thakur rejected this as nonsense. Now, Prabhupada said he saw his Guru Maharaj calling him to take sannyas in a dream. How can we accept that as bona fide? And then this, this uh, person saying he got this mantra in a dream, we reject this as bogus. How is that we can accept one dream as bona fide and the other as bogus? What is the answer? This mantra is not in the Shastra. Right, the mantra is not in Shastra. That Bhaktisiddhanta Sosarthaka is calling Prabhupada to take sannyas, that does not contradict Shastra. But there is no uh, basis for receiving mantras in dreams. And particularly, this mantra has uh, elements of rasa bhas or conflicting mellows in it. Because the, the people who propagate this, they say that Nitai Gaur Radhe Sham. Nitai is Radha and Gaur is Sham. Gaur is Krishna, so Nitai is Radha. Not only Rasa Bas, opposite Anta. So, instructions in dreams, they have to be measured by Shastra. Always the center is Shastra. Mm. In, one, in one lecture I heard that you cannot recognize when you, when you fall down. You will think that this is something elevated, but this is... Uh, this can be just mine, completely. Well, how are we to judge if someone is fallen or not? What does he say? Whether he is thinking about Krishna or not. Whether he is thinking about Krishna or not. What are you going to say? He will be. He will not be satisfied. He will not. He will be pathetic. He will manifest material uh, attachments. Material. The attachments. answer I'm looking for is that. The standard is given in Shastra. <coughs> the, standard? the standard is given in Shastra. Hmm. The standard of what? Of whether one is fallen or not. Uh. Fallen means not following the regulated principles. That's the gross manifestation of fall down. So it's fairly easy to recognize. Preceding that, there may be Vaishnava Parad, Seva Parad. Etc. Speaking wrong philosophy, which wrong philosophy means that which is not according to Shastra and Parampara. It's a big question, but the essence is that uh, we know that uh, soul is, uh, is compared to a spark of a big fire. And this spark, they are qualitatively one. You didn't answer this question? Hmm? Yeah, the person, it's an interesting question, but the person who asked it has gone, so as there are many other questions, we'll go on. Because he asked this to me. This question was asked by someone who's left. Yeah. He asked me late last night, yeah. 
And he said he's going to our house. So we'll talk to him, sir. And yeah, we'll be there. But for others, well, there's so many questions. See, he's not here the first time. So, uh, we hear that uh, process of spiritual advancement is a gradual process. Can this process be speed, uh, speeded up by prayers, by addressing spiritual master deities? For example, if we don't have desires for, we don't have favorable desires for spiritual advancement. If we just pray to Lord Krishna to give that desire to serve Him, praying is good. Yeah, no, it's a different question. But we can pray to Krishna to give our desire at least to serve Guru. What Practical activity is also important, not just praying. Once when Prabhupada was asked that how we can make quick advancement, he replied, follow the rules and regulations very strictly. Uh, but um, by which uh, qualities, uh, symptoms, can a uh, neophyte devotee define or recognize true suffering? in the sense of accepting Shiksha Guru. Sadhu means one who is always engaged favorably in Krishna's service. Of course, we can't see. Sometimes it may be someone is engaged in Krishna's service, but they may have some desire to exploit others or mislead them also. Maybe some subtle thing like that. So we should find someone who is very seriously engaged in devotional service and who we can sense is our sincere well-wisher, who is not interacting with us because they want to exploit us in any way, but they're giving themselves selflessly to us. Last year you, you said that sometimes we can sing Hare Krishna Mantra with a long R at the end. So with this, can we accept it? Just you know, for the sake of increasing devotees' feelings. Increasing which feelings? Devotees' feelings. Yeah. The feelings of devotees who sing. So, uh, can we follow this uh, logic and during singing of Panchatattva, uh, Mahamantra, sing uh, Gadadhara, as uh, we are more accustomed to it instead of. Generally, that uh, as as a to expedite the the fitting the the mantra to the to the what would that be the the sur or the raga to fit, to fit the mantra the, the, the last the melody yeah. the the last syllable usually is ex, may be extended if at all mm. and that doesn't mean that uh, Gadadha Pandit's name should be changed to Gadadhara because the Russians like it like that. I mean, I'm sure that you won't, like in the Christian idea, you'll be burned in hell forever. So I'm sure that won't happen to you if you say Gadadhara. <coughs> I'm just making the point that, uh, you know, actually you're pronouncing it wrongly. I'm just making the point that you're pronouncing it wrongly. Oh. So, if you, it's more respectful to pronounce it correctly. 
Just like if there's someone you meet every day and you say his name every day. Say for instance his name is Surgi. So if instead you say Surgu. <laughs> I mean it sounds something like Surgi but it's different also. So if he says well actually my name's Surgi. Surgi, okay. I don't know how to pronounce it either. But uh, then if he you say well it's easier for me to say Surgu. And it, do, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't, suge- it suggests that you really don't have that much, you know, you're not making much effort to really please him. Well, having said that, I must say, I have difficulty in pronouncing Russian names also. So better you all get uh, spiritual names, like Gadadhara. Not a properly pronouncing way Yeah, it may be, it may be pronounced either way. According to strict Sanskrit pronunciation, it should be pronounced Advaita. But then in modern or of vernacular Indian languages, it's Advaita. And actually in Bengali, it's Advaita. So these are languages which uh, are accepted by the Supreme Lord. And actually he accepts all languages if we, if, if we present with love and feeling. But... Uh, the point is the same, that however much love and feeling you have, the name is Gadadhara, not Gadadhara. So like I said, you won't burn in hell forever if you say Gadadhara. And please don't curse me to burn in hell, because I'm always telling you this. But if I'm falling into hell, I'll call out Gadadhara, and then I'll be delivered.